What's up, entrepreneurs? Welcome back to Respect the Grind. I'm your host, Coach Chris. Today, we have a very special guest, Kelly Kelly, and she's a brand strategist. She's going to help you really work on a presentation and the look and feel of your brand. I'm not a super brand expert. I'm like a podcast brand expert, but I'm not like an overall business branding expert. So I like to bring on people like this that are in you know, that specific area of expertise. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So first of all, when you hear the word brand, what's what when people hear the word brand, what should come to mind first? Because for some people like me, it's the feel. Mm -hmm. And I know for other people, it's more of the look where it's like the logo. What is the first thing that should come to mind when we talk about branding? It should be rooted in an emotional connection. Um, to be fair, I get why people naturally make the leap from brand to logo. And then sometimes yeah. that's the end of it for them. So I get it. It's not an unfair sort of uh, second thought, um, but it really is rooted in the emotional aspect of marketing, the brand. How does it make you feel? How do people remember you? Your logo is part of that. You have these tangible assets that are part of that, but then there's the intangible um, messaging, the type of words that you use. Um, you can even say colors. Um, that resonates a certain type of emotion as well. Um, but it's just really rooted in the emotional aspect of how you make, how, how people remember you. Mm, how people remember you. I think mm -hmm. about this a lot. Like when I go into different stores or this past weekend, I was at, um, Legion. It's a sports bar owned by Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman out in Seattle and Bellevue. And when I was there, the vibe of it just felt more like I'm from L.A. So it felt like more of an L.A. spot. Yeah. Right. OK, good. So, you know what I'm yeah. talking about? It's like certain <laughs> places in L.A. They have mm -hmm. a feel. It's a vibe. And when I went in there, it didn't feel like other places that I've gone out here in Seattle. And it made me think like, man, the branding that they've kind of done in here, like the walls weren't that like ugly gray color it was like more of a brownish and like it just had a different vibe but it was great like i loved it so it, it, when it comes to that part of like the feeling how do you get that how do you figure that out for your company yeah it's an exercise it's a real exercise unfortunately it's not an exercise that some companies feel is worth the investment um because it's a lot of little small intangible pieces so it's like the wall yeah. color, um, the way, you know, the certain chair, if you're talking about a restaurant, the chairs, the, the, and they're just kind of like, just pick something and, but it's like, but it's a feel you're going for a feel. Ultimately you want people to have the rea same reaction you had in terms of vibe. You might not be able to pick apart every little thing. And that's a good, that's good. That makes that, um, that's a really good thing that you can't identify every single thing. It's just a whole vibe. That's what you want. Um, so, you know, you certainly want to do the design work, but when you're going through a brand strategy session, there's going to be a lot of questions about how certain words make you feel, how certain colors make you feel, how certain looks make you feel. Even when we go through the website design process, uh, one of part of our questionnaire is asking our client to show inspiration inspirational sites. Mm -hmm. And we make it very clear, we're not copying the site, but because this will bridge the creative gap because you on the outside, 
you might not know why you're drawn to this website. If you send me samples, I can probably gather what is drawing you to it. And then that's where we can deduce uh, a starting point, as opposed to you telling me I want something minimalistic or modern. Well, modern to you might not be <laughs> modern to me. So when we have these physical things of inspiration, then it's like, we're looking at it and we're like, okay, you got these three. Okay. I see what the, I see what the vibe is. I see what they're going for. I, I, I hate when people use those broad words, like <laughs> it, because it, it's so vague, it's not descriptive. And no. I don't think you can create your own vibe, your own theme or style or anything. If you're just vague in that way, you know, and I do agree with you on the websites because that's like the storefront for a digital business. You know, a lot of my audience are people who are consultants or they have agencies, they have startups. So I think the website is a huge, huge part of that. Um, so what else is something that's important in the website building process? I'm curious to know. Yeah, so uh, messaging is super important, but even from a look, something as simple as your brand guide. I can't tell you how many times if we're not involved in the website design process and we get clients for content creation. So this is where it all ties together. We weren't involved with the website design process, but we're bought in for content creation. And we say, okay, let's match the vibe from your site to your social graphics. Oh, mm. well, and then we would say, well, do you have a brand guide? Oh, well, no. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, there's opportunity there when you have this, this sort of central piece of your branding, your brand guide then anybody coming into the in, into your process, whether it's us, a different agency, somebody else down the road, if you decided you wanted to do a billboard, if you decided you wanted to do a commercial, we're all working from this one uniform piece of your brand, the same colors, down to the hex code, the font, all of that speaks volumes to the cohesive nature of your brand. And it's one of those things people pick up on. It's like- yeah. They see you on social, they decide to go to your website, they get to the website, it's the same vibe, same feel. Um, if they decide to do business with you, the onboarding documents are, you know, of the same vibe, same feel. So it really just carries throughout the entire experience and it makes a difference. I, you know, I agree. I had somebody a couple of years ago who like, I'll never forget this. This is years ago. It sounds crazy, <laughs> but I remember this because... She reached out to me on Instagram was like, hey, I just thought of you because I saw this like sign and it had your same colors. And I was like, I didn't think the colors were that important because like, mm -hmm. if you see those same two colors and you think of me first, that, that blew yeah. my mind personally. Ever since then, I've taken branding way more serious <laughs> for the longest. No, I didn't huge. really... I didn't really care. I was like, if I have a good product, a good service, that's all I'm focused on. And I didn't really care about all the other stuff. I made my first logo on Canva and I used it for six years. <laughs> like I was just riding with that. And listen, here's the thing. When you're talking about businesses in year one, year two, Canva is a tremendous resource and they're cont they continue to add in uh, additional features and they're great. But you also have the capability to build a brand guide on Canva. So even if you mocked it up yourself and this is what you're working with for the first two years, get a set of colors, brand colors. Do You can do the exercise yourself if you can't afford to hire someone or a consultant. Get a set of proper brand colors. Get some, some uniform fonts. These are things you can actually upload into a certain folder in Canva, your brand guide. So every time you go back in to create new graphics, 
You don't have to remember, did I use Times New Roman or was it the other? It's all right there. And so then it's all carrying through even to your email, you know? Mm -hmm. So all of those little things just leave impressions. And those are the things that I I probably was most drawn to when I got into marketing. Um, But unfortunately, it's not valued (laughs) by a lot of, uh, you know, marketing is usually first on the chopping block anyway. So when you start telling a C-suite executive how you want to spend some time picking out some colors, <laughs> it might be a bit of an issue, but it's very necessary. Yeah, you sound crazy to the people who are doing sales <laughs> and stuff. You sound insane. So mm-hmm. if that's the case, well, when should that beginner business owner in year one, year two, maybe even year three, at what point should they consider investing in that? Like, when should I say, okay, now it's time for me to hire somebody that can help me set this brand up? Because it's kind of like the chicken before the egg thing. Like, Mm -hmm. should I go and make a bunch of content and start selling? Or should I try to set up my brand first? And Mm -hmm. am I going to have to go back and redo things? Like, I think that's kind of the conundrum, the issue that people get caught up with. Yeah, so I think... It should be after year one at the latest. So I get it. You you want to start this venture. There's a little bit of a testing. You don't know if it's going to work. You don't know if this is going to be viable. So you start very, very lean. Maybe you build it yourself, your, your brand guide and your logo, or maybe just your logo yourself. But by year one, when you've looked at everything, you reviewed and you say, okay, this is it or it's not, then you should make that investment. Now, here's the thing. We live in a very forgiving time when it comes to that type of stuff. So, you know, 20 years ago, if you switched up your logo and, oh, everybody's confused. I don't know what's going on. This is crazy. (laughs) But it's like now it's, that's way more forgiving. I don't advise you switching that up all the time. Um, But if you were a startup business, this could make for a really great part of your brand story. Here's why we're changing our brand. We did a deep dive and we got really clear on our core values. We wanted to tell our story and we partnered with this agency and we developed this. That could be a moment. It could be an opportunity. Um, But it is something that you should consider investing in maybe after the first year. Yeah, I think it'll be easy now because there's so many distractions. And I don't think that most people are paying attention to what you're doing anyways. Like, let's be honest. Right. You got like <laughs> you got like 700 followers on Instagram. You're getting like maybe 30, 40 website visits a month. You ain't got that right. many people that saw the first brand to begin with. So you changing Correct. it ain't going to change that much. I think <laughs> we kind of get in our heads about it and we worry about what yeah. people think. Most people don't need think anything, bro. I'll be honest with you. They're not even, if anything, it's a pleasant surprise. And then it makes them curious. They want to see, oh, well, when did this switch? And so then they go to your page. Oh, okay. Then they go to your website. Oh, there's a story. Well, what's the story? Well, what's going, okay, well, what's popping with it? It could really be an opportunity um, as opposed to this sort of dreaded thing where you feel like embarrassed or ashamed or whatever the emotion yeah. is behind it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what you got to get past is don't be embarrassed about it and no. just keep going. Because for me, I don't think I would be where I am if I, when I first started podcasting, I was in my, I was living with my mom. I was young and I was talking to myself in the closet for like an hour and a half. I sounded crazy to my entire family. They thought I was crazy. Fast forward now, I will be podcasting at the Super Bowl, Super Bowl week. Wow. So it's like, you got to get past amazing. that. That's amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because I had to get past that embarrassed phase yeah. of like, 
I had people telling me for years, you can't make many any money podcasting. And in the beginning, I believe in for the first two, three years. But I think the branding part is really what took me to the next level, to be honest. Like I said, when yeah. people started telling me personally that my brand was standing out to them, that's when it kind of clicked. I didn't get it before. I did not understand how important it was. I was just so focused on, I did two years of free coaching. I just would give away everything I did for mm -hmm. free. That's all I cared about. But man, I made that logo. It, just, it changed everything. I didn't think it was going to be that because it was terrible to be honest. <laughs> it was bad. It was very bad, but it was a good starter logo. I think starter logos are like part of your brand story. Everybody should yeah. have one. Like an it's old your brand one. story. Absolutely. And you, we, we, we know them as behemoths, you know, the Apple and the Starbucks. When they put out a campaign and they show the evolution of their brand, nobody looks at it and they're like, that's horrible or that's crazy. It's 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 part of the story. And so it builds interest. And I think I feel like it builds character for you for your company as a brand. Um, that you are evolving and you're pivoting and you're not afraid to say, Hey, we're switching up. We I recently started doing brand shoots. Listen. Three years ago, you could not have told me how important a photo shoot would be in a very specific way. And I've done two at this point, very, very different. I feel like the most recent one speaks to the brand of Brand Method Creative Agency. Um, they're, they're, they're both very good, but they're just both very different. And I feel like the most mm. recent one, we kind of got it right. But I did the work to say, hey, before I show up on set, my outfit is intentional. My makeup is intentional. The background is intentional. I have a look that I'm going for because this is going to be on um, all of my marketing material. And, and that type of stuff matters. You know, people just think, oh, you know, pick a good photographer and make sure your makeup looks half decent. It's like, no, there's a whole sort of vibe. I'm going, and when I say vibe, it wasn't a big production. I just made sure that I had an outfit that I felt represented the brand and my hair was done to represent the brand. And I chose a photographer that I felt like could deliver on a shoot that was of the brand. Mm, I, it was funny as I was looking at Thumbtack all weekend trying to find a brand photographer. Like I want to do, because I think all that's- kinds. It's so many. I didn't realize it was so many. And I just think it's so important now because again, I've I've been so focused on being a good, business owner, like just being mm -hmm. good at what I do that I neglected branding for a long time. Like I don't even have, I don't take a bunch of pictures. Like I don't, I sit mm -hmm. and record videos for content, but like when I look at pictures to post, I'm still posting stuff from eight years ago. Like it's bad. <laughs> it is very bad. So I'm working on that. I'm working on it. But I think that that's a small part of branding that we ignore. Yeah. And I think that can kind of because when I see people that have those branded photo shoots and they are taking it serious the way you just presented it, I do look at them differently, even if it's just on Instagram, on their yeah. website. I'm like, man, this is like a real company. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> it separates you. It really does separate it does. you. And I, I'll be honest, I feel more pressure now because I work with NFL. I'm like, man, I got to get better. Like I know it's my <laughs> gaps. I got to get better. Because if they come to me for content, I need more than a yeah. seven-year-old headshot. I got to be ready, you know? And that's and that's the thing. You know, I had the first one. I just actually just found out that I was um, a few weeks pregnant um, with my last 
child. So that was about two, almost two years ago. And I was like, okay, I got to book this shoot for I start showing because I want it to be, <laughs> you know, not that there's anything to be ashamed of, but I plan to use these for a while and I'm not pregnant for a while. So yeah. let me get a book. And I'm, I'm in, I'm at that shoot just as nauseous and I'm just trying to keep it together because <laughs> I had to do it that day. Um, and you know, those type of investments really, really pay off. Now you have people that do quarterly shoots. I'm not there. Um, I don't think I, I, I might not ever be there. I just don't feel like it's that, that, that much of a requirement for my business, but I definitely think an annual shoot. Um, and you, again, this is something you can make a big deal about one, one thing comes to mind and this is kind of off topic, but not really. Um, Vanderpump rules. They used to, uh, the real, she used to do a photo shoot every year. Now, why does a restaurant need to do a photo shoot of their wait staff and their front staff? Because it's part of the brand. Mm. Lisa Vanderpump, you know, obviously even outside of the show, all of her restaurants, hospitality, they are very different and they are built around a brand. So what she, I don't know if she still does it, but what they used to do is every year they would have a shoot. And it's exciting and you're looking forward to it. The audience was like, well, what does the shoot look like this year? And so then wow. you start building these sort of attachments and you start building this anticipation where people want to see what you have coming up next because they know to look for it. Mm, that's a good idea. I like that. I really like mm -hmm. that. It, it seems so simple. It does. I, I, I think that it makes it easier when you're doing everything else, when you have that kind of brand presentation, right? Like yeah. I have now, I have a bunch of pictures, like I'm not a celebrity person like that, but I have a bunch of pictures with celebrities and I've known famous people for years and stuff. Now I went to this event and I spoke at an event and the young lady who ran the event, she uses my picture on ads. So what's funny is every time I go to Bellevue out here, people are like staring at me or if I'm in the mall or something, people are like looking at me. I'm all, I always have to remind myself that like they've seen me on Instagram right. 20 or 30 times in like a year. Yeah. So some people just come up to me, introduce themselves. Like I saw camp chancellor, Super Bowl champion. He's like, Oh, what's up, man? Like it's crazy. To Familiarity. Kind of like, I think that's what a brand photo shoots could be valuable is if mm -hmm. you can just run ads with that kind of stuff, even just retargeting. I think it could be really impactful for a long period of time. People really use that. And I think that's a great use in terms of day-to-day -day, is to use those branded photos in your advertising campaigns and all of your collateral. That's important. Um, I'm working with one of my clients now. They want to revamp their podcast cover and we're looking for photos, you know, to try to put something together um, because they haven't you know, gotten their headshot done in a few years. And it, I, th I think we're on a, a good track and it looks good, but those, those are one of the things that last year as part of the strategic plan, I made the decision. This is going to be an annual thing. I'm not going to be three years without an updated headshot. Um, it needs to be at least annual. And I know enough people, enough really good people here in Atlanta that that can get done. So that just needs to be plotted on the calendar. Usually I'm, I'm thinking the end of the year, I'm going to do another one. Um, I love the, the, the uh, session that I did last fall um, and those, these pictures are doing well. So, mm. you know, those, it's just, it's, it's these small details. So when it comes to the brand presentation on social, mm -hmm. what's your approach to that? Like what I mean by that specifically is 
for the digital entrepreneur, somebody that is the, doing consulting, got the agency, how should those kind of brands be presented on Instagram? Because I think it's easy if you got a store. You could take right. pictures of your store, have people come there. You could do events. You got all kind of options. But if I have an online business, how am I presenting this brand to my people online? So one of the things that we focus on is definitely education and thought leadership because we are an agency. Um, I've even seen agencies factor in lifestyle slash the personal brand of the agency head. And that's fine. That's okay too. Um, our focus is definitely on thought leadership. We want people to know that we are experts in the industry, that we know what we're talking about. We mm -hmm. want to create value. We want to share. So if you look on our Instagram, that's what a lot of that is. We've recently just launched another podcast or a relaunch of a podcast at the top of the year. So that's integrated as well. And if you look on the page, it's very intentional that we are sticking to brand font, brand feel. And so even when we have guests, I'm like, hey, send me two or three headshots that you have for our promotional collateral. Um, high resolution, please not anything popped out of your phone. I don't, even if it's old, that's okay. Because we still want that, that same look. And everybody has been very, very accommodating to make sure, because I think it's a draw for them too. I mean, they're being a guest on yeah. the podcast. They want to be associated with something that's clean and professional and helps their brand as well. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I had to tell people that all the time, like, don't, don't take me, take a selfie and send it to me. Cause I'm putting this <laughs> everywhere. Like this is going everywhere. Like right. thousands of people will see this. Don't send me the worst picture you got. Like I, yeah. I, I, that's, that's a pet peeve of mine. I've been dealing with that for years. I've had celebrities <laughs> that will send me selfies. I'm like, you oh can't get gosh. somebody to send something better. Your I management would kill you. <laughs> right. Right. So, okay. Okay. Cause I, I think for me, that's one of my gaps too, is just being present with the brand on social media. Yeah. I not intentionally neglected it, but I'm like, I'll be there. I'll show up. But once I learned how to make money without social media, I'm one of them people. I just don't use it like that. Like I just, yeah. I'm not on Instagram scrolling. I'm not tweeting back and forth. I just kind of like took a step back. I realized oh, I can make this much just doing this. I just go over right. here. So do you believe that social media is... Well, I know you believe it's important. How important is it to a successful brand in 2024? I think for the most part it is. And here's the other thing that I, I always encourage people to consider. Sometimes you've put in a lot of work and you started your brand a while ago. There will be people that want to start now that might look at you or hear this and say, oh, well, he he's saying he doesn't. That might not be your path. We are now in a, you have to consider the psychological of where we are as a society. We're very, very, we're spending obscene amounts of time on our phones. So if you are just now getting started or you're trying to build your brand now, I would not rule out social media as a viable marketing channel until you have enough data to say, like you said, oh, well, I'm killing it over here. Let me go over here. But you already built your brand and you've already, you know, tested and tweaked and did all that. People, people will hear this and want to jump in and say, Oh, I knew it. I don't need to do social media. <laughs> you might need to do social media. Don't rule it out yet. You don't know, you know, our taste and our attention span changes so often that might be the ticket for you or it might not. 
Um, I think the good news is you're definitely starting to see more B2B companies embracing yeah. it slowly, but surely it was very begrudging before. Like oh, you want man. me to before COVID it was, content, it was tough. <laughs> and listen, COVID I'm in this space that when COVID happened, people were on their knee. They were, I mean, flailing, you can't go yeah. anywhere. So we, we may be kilted with in-person um, trade shows. There are no trade shows. So how do we Ooh. now stay present? It was it was bad, yeah. and I worked with a lot of those companies <laughs> on their podcast. Um, they wanted mm -hmm. so much content because yes, they are like we can't do anything else. We got to try we something. <laughs> I remember my clients calling me at like four or five. Well, not four. It was like five o'clock in the morning. Like, oh my god, what do I do for a microphone? Because all the podcast microphones yep. were sold out. Gone. So it's like, I think I, now that content and stuff is here, I don't think it's going away. Like the B2B no. companies I know, uh, one of my clients is worth $100 million. We still sit down and record two episodes a week. Like, yeah, he's going to record and put that content out. It's just so important. And that's kind of something I run into as well is I do a lot of content. I have so much content. I just don't be putting it out. Like, I just don't be putting everything out. That's my you problem. You know what? <laughs> See, this, and this is what I tell people. So many times we've come into a new client relationship and, you know, we do an audit and we ask for access to their assets and we try to get a feel of what they have and where we need to fill in the content. Some of these people be having vaults of stuff, stuff they invested, yeah. <laughs> um, videos, you know, $25,000 videos that they've invested in where, you know, a crew has come out and filmed the whole office and that it's just sitting in a Dropbox. And I'm like, well, was this used? Oh, well, no. Is there a legal reason we can't use it? No, we just, <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah, that is, it's just, it's weird. It's I'm wild. trying to find my way to do it more. And so like my new habit is I have like a notebook or I just have it all written down day by day. And the plan is to just post once a day. Just keep it simple, mm -hmm. post once a day on my platforms and just be consistent. Cause now I, I think for me too, it was having that kind of brand feel I needed to figure out. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't want to go the serious, super suit and tie every day kind of look, but also wanted to be professional. And that, that leads me to another question I have for you. And this is a big one. I think a lot of the audience has this question too. What is kind of the method or approach to separating personal brand from company brand? Should you put them together? Should they be separate? How should that work? I think together works more often than people think. Um, and that's something that you do have to decide. And, and when we say merging personal and professional, that doesn't mean that you tell all your business. That doesn't mean that you get inappropriate or you do things that make you feel extremely uncomfortable. That doesn't mean that you have to plaster your children or show all of your... That's not what that means. It just means that you provide enough of your personal brand uh, to build that human connection. Because again, as we evolve and we are so inundated with so much messaging, the same things that used to stop the scroll for us do not. And so mm. when you factor in the human element, that helps. I'm telling you, anytime I post uh, more personal, so it may, and maybe because I don't do it often, anytime I post more personal stuff on LinkedIn, my phone ultimately rings for business more. It's almost like a reminder 
that, oh yeah, she does do that. Okay, I stopped because she told a, um, you know, there was a picture of her and I this one post I did on LinkedIn. It was, I, in my mind, it was called like a real life marketing case study. And it was a picture of my daughter and my husband at um, swim class. And the whole point of the post was about the backend marketing of trying to find a swim class and how I was targeted with an ad. The ad looked great. I clicked on the ad. I tried to sign my daughter up for swim. Their backend practices were a, a turnoff. The business model was crazy. And so right. then I abandoned the sale. So my whole point was to bring it back like, don't be so quick to always blame digitals. It's a whole process. And this is where I fell off in this process. The ad got me. The the uh, It was blue water. It was a tight shot of a little kid in a pool. I got a little kid. It's summertime. I want to put her in a pool. I'm intrigued. I'm clicking. I'm ready to pay. And it's the back end of their business model is what prevented it from going through. That post got so much attention. And then it was like, oh, yeah. Okay, so look, I'm having some issues with my content. You know what? I <laughs> So I always encourage people, don't be afraid to um, mold the two. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, Jeff Perkins is the CMO of Greenlight, and he does that very well. He does that very well. He is one of the most personable C-suite executives I've ever, ever met. He used to be the CMO of Park Mobile, which is our... Um, app for parking here. He is so down to earth and so personable. Um, and that is part of his brand. And I met mm -hmm. him years ago and invited him to my podcast and he agreed and he was so gracious. Um, and even year, you know, now looking at his content on LinkedIn, he still finds that good balance of obviously posting about his company, but also his personal brand as well. Um, so he does mm -hmm. that very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the idea of like it being a balance. I think it does become easier to sell when you kind of show people that you're human, you know? thousand percent. Uh, that's something that I, I can't admit personally, that's out of my comfort zone. Like I'm trying to get there, but <laughs> I'm just You don't very, like people in your business. <laughs> I am very private. Like my family knows this. They know not to ask me certain stuff because it's my business. <laughs> like, but I do agree that it, it kind of opens up another door to your brand essentially. And I think that's how you can get to that brand feel. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of like, that's something that you may want to put in the about me section on your website, you know, to kind of get yeah. people more of a, a background of who you are. And because uh, I, I think it also creates authenticity. If you're talking about your personal life and things that you've gone through. And, you know, the other thing for me as a, as a wife and a mom, once I had kids, um, shortly after I had my first daughter, I joined an incubator women's entrepreneur initiative here in Atlanta. And it's, you know, it allowed 15 women entrepreneurs and the energy, the vibe was so different than, you know, your standard incubators, I think because it was geared toward women. And I, the, the overwhelming feeling I had was I did not have to be two different people. I did not have to be a mom and a business mm. person. I didn't have to check mom at the door. Like if I'm stressed about something that's happened with my kid, um, it, I don't feel like there's no place for that here. Like I got to tough it out. I got to, you know, don't cry. It just was a very different energy. And so when you're talking about um, being able to show up as yourself, I think 
that creates a lot more depth in you as a person, but also if you have a company attached, because people want to do business, people do business with people. So, you know, and that you're, you're starting to see more of that on LinkedIn too. More people are pulling back that curtain a little bit because how many, how many times are we going to see snippets from your trifold brochure about what your company does? Like how many more times (laughs) we're we're exhausted with it? I will say on LinkedIn, I guess this may be every social platform, but I use LinkedIn the most. Some of the stories I see is cap. Like I know they're not telling the truth. Some of it, it is not the truth. Some of these stories be just too, it's in another world. I'm like, all right, man, I I can't believe it. Like I, some of it, but I I do appreciate the effort. Um, and I do agree that it's yeah. important. So you, I mean, you definitely have that. those people that are just kind of like, oh, okay. Kinda like, I mean, right along right with just, just one per week yeah. is all I'm trying to start with. I want to get into it, but I'm not showing my kids to know I'm not doing that. That ain't happening. Nah, So we did, we launched a new offer last fall that built out the content plan. It's like a 12 month plan and it allows for pivoting and changing it up but it eliminates that stop start. So if you ever had to do your content, it's like you may start off strong. Okay, the new year is coming up. I got content ideas for the next 30 days. But when that 30 days is up to slow down the train of your business and say, oh, let me sit down and Mm. rev up enough. This is where people lose it and they get behind, right? This happens to all of us. It's happened to us before. Um, and so the 12 month plan, we're only a quarter into testing a couple of clients, but it's working for them. So even at the end of 12 or 12 weeks, we can say, okay, does do, does what we have planned for the next 12 weeks work or do we need to pivot as opposed to, okay, let's start from scratch. What we got, what's your idea? What's your idea? It's like, Lord have mercy. Like I can't, <laughs> we still have a business to run. Yeah. That's a lot to keep up with. Yeah. Hmm. So we're, 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 um, and we're implementing it ourselves. And so we're never unsure about what to post. If something else comes up, that's fine. We can pivot, but we got something in the vault for next week and we're never at a loss or we're never having to slow down and say, okay, what now? And how, and how does what we're going to post next tie into our overall goals? So that's the other beauty about this offer is that we've already, it's built based off of what the overall goal is. That disconnect is where a lot of people end up disgruntled with content because they shoot from the hip. It's like, oh yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm literally planning out my content plan for this show um, because I just have a specific game plan. And I tell people this, I put it on the show all the time. This is the the plan. The goal for this show is to have a hundred episodes in the next couple months, next about six months. Um, also to do um my book i have the book the milestone system i'm putting that out um yeah i i wrote it three years ago i just never put it out so i'm actually gonna put it out now (laughs) and now what i'm doing now i use chat gpt so i wrote like a whole essay put it in the chat gpt like all right give me just a bunch of posts for social and it gave me a Mm -hmm. bunch of really really good ideas but I think this is where people like you are important is gapping like the ideas and like the mm-hmm. product and all of that stuff with the actual goal, putting that together. Yep. Because although ChatGPT gave me some ideas, it's like, all right, how do I tie this post into me launching the book? 
if this is promo week and I have affiliates posting this week, how does these post tie? It's a lot yeah. of moving parts. And this is why I think the branding and social strategists are like valuable because I tried doing it myself and I was like, wow, this is really hard. Like it's really yeah. hard. It's hard and it takes a lot of time, you know, and there are other things that, and this is what I tell my clients, what we're doing is not rocket science, but your time is better spent as CEO of your company, your HR research firm, your real estate development firm is the best yeah. use of your time sitting down, trying to figure out a caption or an email that's going to be uh, catchy and doing an AB test. That's probably not the best use of best use of your time. It's still important and it's still valuable, but we have to look at it like, you know, what, what else could you be doing right now? Like instead of this and maybe getting it right and maybe, you know, it working, whereas you can enlist an expert, that knows how to test and how to pivot and how to tweak and what to look for and how to craft. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is why I think it's so important to have people that you invest in. Cause yeah. I, I think that the beginner entrepreneurs in that first year, one to three, one of the hardest things you'll decide is who you invest in. Because if you're trying to do everything by yourself, it is going to take you so long. You're going to waste so much time. Like it, the reason why I haven't put the book out is because I wrote it, but I know that I need to have a specific book launch person that can mm -hmm. launch this book with me. Now I know sometimes in our heads we get, you know, well, it costs money and how much does it cost and all of that stuff. I do understand the investment part can be challenging, mm -hmm. but I just think the perspective has to be there to be willing to invest because that's when you're going to get a better result. If you're willing to put the money out there, I think you'll get a better result than if you're trying to do everything alone. Cause that path, it just, it doesn't work for anybody. It, it, it won't work. You'll burn out. You'll, you'll plateau before you reach really a profitable level. Um, and then you'll find yourself drowning to try to keep up and you won't be able to get out of it. Um, I think investing even on a small scale, uh, assistant, virtual assistant, um, up into, you know, different levels in the business. You don't have to go out and get a CFO right away. Maybe you get, you know, a fractional, you know, whatever the equivalent to that is. Um, if it's not an agency, maybe you, we have a, a strategy and consulting offer where we come in quarterly. So maybe you have a one person team. They just need a little guidance. You can't afford an agency full time on a monthly retainer, but you can enlist a company like ours to come in and say, okay, hey, let's let's make this role, let's make this plan for you, and then we'll check back in in three months. You got somebody in here to run the play, so they're gonna be on here day to day. We're gonna circle back, you know, in a few months and see where we're at, and if we need to make adjustments, even that is gonna be super valuable as opposed to just knocking around in the dark. Yeah, the winging it just isn't it. It's just not no. it. And the, and again, I'm telling y'all, that's what I did with my brand for years. <laughs> you know, I still made money, but I, I know now it would be 10 times easier if I had built the social brand and all of that stuff. Like I just ignored it. I didn't say it wasn't a big deal to me, but I do think it should be a priority. I, I messed up on that front. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Uh, this was a really good conversation, Kelly. I want to yeah. thank you for being here on the show. This was, this was great. Where can people work with you and get that discovery call? Yeah, brandmethod.com. So B-R-N-D-M-E-T-H-O-D.com. Um, we have a form to fill out. You give us some details. We'll do some research. We'll get on a call, talk about how we can work together. 
Um, and, you know, we have a lot of different options. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for being here on the show. Thank you so much.